Hi there, and welcome to a different way of seeing. Have you ever wondered how a disabled person lives their life? Join our host, Lois Drachen, as she chats to people about work, education, travel, sport, the arts, and leisure, and the tools and techniques they use to live their lives with the disability. And now, on with the show. Hi there, and welcome to today's episode of A Different Way of Seeing, a podcast where we talk all things disability. I'm your host, Lois Strachan. Today, we are talking with Dr. Hamia Mabeji, who is joining us all the way from India. Hamia is working with Benetech India Africa, but he is also a passionate advocate for inclusive education, for mastery of assistive technology, and is a very passionate user of the Android platform. And all of these are topics that we will probably touch on during the conversation today. Hamia, thank you so much for joining us on A Different Way of Seeing. It is great to have you with us today. How are you doing? Thank you. Thank you for your kind words and thank you for the wonderful intro. Well, it's always interesting to learn more about people and their insights because I think as a community, we learn so much more when we talk openly about our experiences and share the knowledge that we have. So it's great to have you with us on the show. It's my pleasure. Maybe we can start off by just asking you to tell us a little bit about yourself and about your story. Well, like uh, most persons suffering from retinitis pigmentosa, I lost my vision sort of midway through my life. I'm currently about 55. And uh, that means I lost uh, vision somewhere when I was in my late 20s, early 30s. It's slowly sort of crept down and down till I lost it almost completely. So fortunately, it gave me a chance of seeing both sides of the world. I was partially sighted uh, when I had vision. And then as I have lost vision and have been living a life with uh, total blindness, it has given me the perspective of seeing the world from both different angles. And that gives me a lot of insight into how people might be thinking when they lose vision suddenly or how people might react or how they are not reacting to certain situations. So it gives me a good understanding of the why for these people. Professionally, I am a qualified physical therapist or physiotherapist as some people call it. And having had the good fortune of practicing for more than 28 years as a clinical therapist. And then way back in 2010, switched professions or I was forced into switching professions by a few people who said, you are more required in the NGO sector, come and help the sector, help the community. So in 2010, switched my profession to becoming an administrator for NGOs, and then the story changed. So that's a little bit about me. 
When you say that you have seen the world from both sides of partial sight and and total blindness, how did that transition work for you? And what do you feel helped you through that transition? This is a super important question. Mostly people who are losing vision either suddenly or over a period of time have this conflict in mind, have a lot of distress, have a lot of stress within themselves. Why me? What will happen? If you are a bread earner, what will happen next? If you are a female, and especially in societies like India, who's going to marry you and what's going to be your future? So there are a lot of these conflicts which start arising, a lot of these questions which come up. Sometimes if it's a child, parents don't accept the child's blindness. They try for miracle cures. They go and knock all sorts of doors. It could be medical or it could be religious. or They spend a lot of money where they should not be spending money. And all this is born out of not accepting your blindness. It could be the parent, it could be the child, it could be the teenager, or it could be an adult. If you do not accept your condition, once the doctors have said that it's an irreversible condition, the first thing that should be told to people is accepting their condition because it clarifies your state of mind. It gives you a very clear thinking process. Once you are in that zone where you have accepted it, then it's a straightforward road. I am blind and this is what I need to do and this is what I cannot do. But if you're caught between the two, always trying to hide your blindness if you're partially sighted or hiding indoors, not going out just because you lost vision and you don't want to be social and you have feeling about what are people going to talk about me and all that stuff which goes into any reasonable person's mind. That is where you carry a lot of baggage. And when you're carrying so much of baggage, you don't think clearly. You don't think clearly about your future. You don't think clearly about the options which are right there in front of you. And you're only worried about what society is going to talk about you. What's that person going to say about you? What is going to happen to you in the future? So my first advice is accept blindness. And I learned it the hard way. Nobody told me that when I was going blind. I had this habit of hiding blind uh, my blindness because I was partially sighted. People had seen me in my community with my vision, which was pretty good vision. And then suddenly, as I kept on losing blindness, I kept on hiding it from people, especially when I was practicing as a clinical physiotherapist. It wasn't that great to inform your clients that you can't see things properly now. But then I had the good fortune of shifting into a different community. I had the good fortune of moving to a different city where I got the opportunity to work. And that was the point where I could make a fresh start in life, where I said, yes, I am blind. This is what I am. This is what I bring to the table. This is what I can do. These are my abilities. 
And I was surprised to see that people were not bothered about my blindness. They only worried or they were only concerned about my abilities. So that changed my entire way of looking at disability. So I am a strong advocate of telling people, first and foremost, accept what you are and start your life from that point onwards. I think it's a really important point because if one is in conflict about not having accepted one's blindness, then the focus of one's life becomes what can I do? How can I improve my vision? How can I get back what I've lost? And it's focused on the loss where acceptance is a very necessary step to really embracing the the situation, the, the current the experience, and then moving forwards from it. I'd like to chat briefly about your current role with Benetech India Africa, because I'm fascinated by the Bookshare Library. But some of our listeners probably don't know much about Bookshare and about Benetech. Can you tell us about Benetech, about Bookshare, and about your role in the organization? So Benetech is an international NGO based out of the U.S. in California. And Benetech has its flagship program called Bookshare. So Bookshare is the world's largest online accessible library for persons with print disability. I use the word print disability because it's a closed library. It's not meant for everyone. To become a member of Bookshare, you need to have a disability which is preventing you from reading standard printed text. That means you could be blind, you could have low vision, or you could have conditions like dyslexia. That means you are learning disabled, or you could be orthopedically disabled with your hands due to paralysis or not having a certain part of your hand, which doesn't allow you to hold or turn a page of the book. All these conditions, plus even people with cerebral palsy, with ataxic movements, they're all considered to be disabled. Now, with this library, there are more than a million books to read. And these books are available in five different formats. So each title on Bookshare would have five different formats and the choices on the user to decide which format he wants to read that particular title in. For example, they could be EPUB. So EPUB means it's one of the best formats when it comes to reading content on a device like your Android phone or your iPhone, because it can resize according to the size of your display. It's a free flow format, not like PDF where it's a fixed format. So this allows people with learning disabilities, it allows people with low vision to customize their reading experience on their devices. They can increase the font size, they can change the background, they can change the line spacing between the two lines so that the, each line looks separate from each other and then they don't read over from one line to another. So all these sort of customizations can be possible. The other formats that we support are DAISY, which we recommend 
the persons with total blindness, especially who are using computers, should download Daisy Books because it's a very simple format to navigate within the book. You can also download EPUBs on your laptops, especially if you're using maths and science. We recommend that maths and science reading is best possible using an EPUB because currently technology supports reading of math content, STEM content only within EPUB and that to only on Windows-based computers. That's the limitation of the technology as we speak today. Then we have options like Microsoft Word. So if people are interested in downloading the same file as a Word file, you can do that. Or even you can download the file as a BRF file. That's a Braille-ready format. And that's specifically for people who are using refreshable Braille displays. So you just download the BRF file, install it on your refreshable Braille display, and you are ready to read all the million plus books that we have on Bookshare. So these books come in more than 64 languages, and we keep on adding more than five to 7,000 titles every month. That means it's an ever-growing collection of books. And these are not just out-of-copyright books as we might find in some other libraries. These are absolutely brand new books which are being released by the publishers for the general society they would also donate a copy to Bookshare in an accessible format so that persons with print disability can read and enjoy the same book at the same time as the non-print disabled reader. Our services are absolutely free in all developing countries plus South Africa. And even for countries which are middle income or higher income countries like the US or Europe or Canada, there are subsidized memberships available for people across the globe. So we currently support members in more than 95 countries across the globe. Talking about my role, I look after the developing countries, mainly in Asia and the Africa zone. And my role includes promoting Bookshare and working with publishers to get more and more content onto Bookshare. I work with vendors for getting those content which are not there on Bookshare. So we scan and chop and scan these books and mark them and put them up on Bookshare also. So these are books which are put up through our vendors. Then we work with schools, especially on the inclusive school programs, the digital literacy programs in special schools, which are generally known as blind schools or school for the blind. So I've got a large portfolio of responsibilities under me. It certainly sounds that way. I, I have to say, as a reader, I'm finding that I am a very grateful Bookshare member because I keep finding fascinating titles in a whole range of different topics and subjects. And as an author, um, five of my books have been made available. And the team there at Benetech Asia Africa have been absolutely amazing in helping me get certainly my my illustrated children's books in accessible formats. So I've been really impressed by your team and the way that they work in making books accessible. So thank you from me as a reader and as an author for to you and to your team for the work that you're doing. But I want to take one point of, that you've mentioned there and possibly dig into that a little bit further 
and that is the mention of inclusive education. Because I feel that that's such an important aspect for learners with disabilities, for children growing up being blind, being partially sighted, and around the topic of inclusion. So can you tell us a little bit about inclusive education and how you see that rolling out in developing countries? It's a very important point, Gloria. For the simple reason, if you ask any person, why do you undergo education? And the answer is to become employable. How would a person become employable if he can read and write the mainstream way? The mainstream way is the way sighted people, non-disabled people write. That could be using your computers and writing digitally. So if a blind person, especially, is not trained into using these digital tools, and if he's only educated using traditional methods like Braille and audio, at the end of his academic career, he or she is going to find it very difficult to find employment. That is the reason where in India, we started this initiative, a dual initiative of one, transforming the spatial schools for the blind and making them more digitally friendly, and also working with the inclusive schools. The inclusive schools means where there were one or two children with visual impairment in a classroom of 40, 50 children who were non-disabled. So making them schools for true inclusion. I'll first go to the inclusive school scenario and explain what I mean by true inclusion. What happened previously was schools would include children with blindness and low vision into their mainstream classrooms. But because these children did not know how to read and write digitally, and they were only dependent on Braille, they had to be supported by a special educator or a special teacher or a resource teacher who would come into the classroom and help these children. That means these children were never a part of the mainstream classroom in spite of being sitting in the mainstream classroom. They were excluded in an inclusive environment. We don't blame the mainstream teacher for excluding them because that mainstream teacher does not know Braille. We don't blame the sighted peers of that child for excluding this child because they didn't know Braille. And this blind child, because he or she was not taught how to be using technology, found himself to be a fish out of the pond within that inclusive environment. So the simplest way to get this child included was to find a way by which this blind child can read and write in a manner that both the teacher and the sighted student would be able to access. And the simplest answer is use modern day assistive technology. So for example, if this child goes into the classroom using a simple low cost Android 
tablet or a phone. And he's able to open his digital textbooks, which are provided by Bookshare or by any other organization on his device. The mainstream teacher is going to be able to see what this child is reading. And the blind child will be able to hear the same text using text-to-speech engine, which is a part of the Android system. So by introducing this little simple $100 solution, this child is now able to be included within the classroom along with his non-disabled counterparts. So this takes care of the reading adult. Now, obviously, typing on an Android device is a very tedious job, especially for two persons with blindness. It's even difficult for the non-disabled. Leave aside the persons with blindness. So to get a speed and to be able to type quickly, what we suggested was connect your Android device with a simple low-cost USB keyboard that you get with all your computers, or they come in different sizes also. You can get a compact keyboard so that it fits into your bag. So just get this low-cost compact keyboard, which would just cost you about 5 to $10 at the max. Connect it to your Android device using an OTG connector with barely a dollar in price. So by just adding the simple keyboard, now you're able to use your Android device like a mini laptop. At probably one-fifth of the cost of a laptop, you're now enabling the child to be able to read and write digitally and be a part of the mainstream environment within the inclusive school. So this is the story of the inclusive school setup. Now let's go back to the blind school scenario, where traditionally only Braille was taught to students, in spite of having good vision, even low vision children were forced to read Braille, where they could easily be able to read large print. They were still forced to read Braille for no reason at all. I have seen so many instances in blind schools where children with low vision and good low vision would take the Braille book near to their eyes and read the Braille dots with their eyes rather than their fingers. Mm. And that's completely absurd way of teaching these blind children. Right. So then what we do with this schools is we encourage first the teachers. We explain them that, see, this is a traditional way of teaching. Let's show you a better way of educating your students, and that is using digital tools. And we show them the Android device. We show them how digitally easy it is to read text, how many books can be accessed using digital platform compared to just having a very few number of books in the school in Braille or in audio. So you're providing the child with an opportunity to gain knowledge almost at par with your non-disabled counterparts. And then we show them the ease of writing. And that is one of the biggest challenges, especially in schools for the blind, where all schools are dependent upon scribes to write their exams, especially in developing countries. So when you're using a scribe, you're never writing yourself. And when you don't write yourself, you lose the ability of spelling because you're only pronouncing them or you're just dictating the text to the scribe. So when the child starts writing digitally, his spellings improve, his speed improves, and he's actually want, 
writing what he wants to write by himself. And that's the first step towards employment. He's now becoming employable. So with all these facts in mind, there are many schools in India, especially, and in our surrounding South Asia, who have started adopting digital tools within their schools and transforming those traditional centers of learning into digital centers of learning, where these children are now getting opportunities not just to study humanities, as used to be the case in these schools, but now they're even taking up subjects like maths and physics and commerce as their primary subjects. So they're getting more career options. So everything is changing for the better. It's so important because nowadays we really do live in a digital world. And the use of technology really means that I, as a person who is totally blind, am able to engage in exactly the same way as my sighted friends or colleagues are able to engage. And it's such an important part of life nowadays. And yes, of course, with Braille displays, it is possible to use technology and Braille at the same time. But I think as a tool, Braille is one option, but I'd really think that audio is another option, as you said, but I think the importance of being able to use technology and to engage in the digital world is fundamentally important to anyone not just in an employment space, but in a social space as well. And the advances in technology over the last 10 or 15 years have really revolutionized that and made so much more possible for us. So I think it's not just in in education that that's an important tool, but in life in general. I completely agree with you, Sidney. And there, there are three words that we would always emphasize when we talk about digital empowerment. And these are affordable, accessible, and available. Yes. Whatever tool you choose should be affordable because we are talking about developing countries. Should be accessible. It should not be that you're introducing a tool which is a very high-tech tool, very expensive, just to make it accessible. It should be. And it should be easily available. And keeping all these three words in mind, the best tool that comes to our mind is an Android device. Because comparatively, an iOS device would be expensive. Mac computers are expensive. Even Windows-based computers are expensive. So the most affordable and easily available and accessible tool would be your Android device. Let's take this conversation then to the next step. We, We said earlier on that Books are important for education. Education is important for employment. And as many of the the things we've been discussing so far is talking about solutions that should make people who are blind and low vision employable, why then do we still have such barriers and such lack of inclusion in the workforce? of those of us living with a visual impairment? The story is twofold, if I can see it from my side of the world. Number one, not many corporates are yet sensitized enough 
to understand that by employing persons with disability in general is a good business case for the corporate. And there are certain very simple solutions for that. One, there's a very low attrition rate amongst persons with disability when they join corporates. They serve the organization for a very long time. Second, it has been seen that persons with disability are generally a very honest workforce. And they are less distracted. Once they are in their seat, they will constantly keep on to their job and they won't be running around here and there. And that means your work is being done much more efficiently. Third, by making your corporate environment accessible. It's not only the person with disability that you are helping, but it's the overall environment that becomes easy and manageable for everyone, disabled as well as the non-disabled. So it's always a best practice to have accessibility practices incorporated within your day-to-day activities within any organization. On the flip side of it, there are certain organizations which are sensitized, which have identified different job roles in which persons with disability can be employed. But when they go out into the society and when they say that we want X number of people for X jobs, we do not find the right skilled candidates amongst persons with disability and spatially visual impairment. And the reason is what we discussed earlier, that the system is still transiting from traditional to digital education. We do not have the required skilled candidates who have come out of the system who can be considered as employable. There are very few of them. And because of this, you don't see many people with visual impairment, especially in the workforce, and not many corporates coming forward on the other side to employ people with visual impairment because they haven't seen their role models as yet. They haven't seen the people in action working in different corporates at different positions. So I think this is the crust of the problem. Would you say that the the kind of social stereotype of blindness and of the broader question of disability, would you say that that poses a barrier in, in the employment space as well? It does. To the level of government policies too. In many developing countries, when you see the government policies, it's mainly still based on the model of charity rather than empowerment. So if your model from top down from the government is just feed the blind, feed the disabled, just take care of them in sheltered homes, it's not going to work. These are individuals with blindness, for example, but the rest of the body is all fit and fine. They have a good mental capacity. They have got perfectly working hands and feet, perfectly working bodies. What they lack is just the vision, and that can be replaced by technology. So unless and until there's a top-down change right from the government policies, putting the education system in charge of empowering these children, especially with visual impairment, with the use of technology, 
change is going to be slow. And that is what we do as Benedict. We do a lot of advocacy with the government. We help the government ministers and the people who are in charge of making all these policy documents. We give them a lot of presentations. We show them what is capable and what's possible using technology and how affordable it is for the government compared to just using the traditional means and just using charity models for the disabled. That's one more very important point, that it has to be economically viable, and it is economically viable to introduce technology, especially in the field of visual impairment. I'm realizing increasingly that it's a almost a multi-pronged approach that needs to be taken because there's the education side to equip people coming through the education system. There's the advocacy side working with companies, organizations, and corporates to shift the perspective that persons with disabilities are not capable, which is clearly not true. And then there's also the tools and equipment side that needs to be part of that. And it really, each of those stages, each of those areas has to be worked on and grown together to really make a difference in shifting society. True. I would call it an ecosystem change. Yes. The entire system has to move hand in hand. You cannot just move one piece and expect the others to fall in place. It won't. Unless and until you have the entire system right from teacher training. That's one more very important Mm -hmm. component. Because the teachers, if they are not trained in the use of the modern tools, obviously the system collapses there and there. What can we do as people to help bring that shift about? We need to bring about role models in the market. Let more and more people see those who have succeeded. Let their stories be heard. Let their journeys be told to people. Because every individual, disabled or non-disabled, has to go through a journey. It's a journey of life. You have gone through it. I have gone through it. Let these journey be told to people in a way that it demystifies disability and it makes it just a simple question of ability being highlighted or inability caused due to a disability. People, when they see persons with disabilities, especially blindness, their focus is on the blindness angle of it, the lack of vision of it, rather than what is this person capable of doing, because they've never seen that sort of people. Today, you're interviewing me from across the globe, sitting in South Africa, using technology, using it completely independently. No, these sort of stories need to be brought out, told to people. See, this is so simple, it's so doable, it's so manageable. When people start listening to these stories, especially parents of children who are visually impaired, they will get into this new system. They will ask the authorities, why can't my child use technology? 
How can I bring technology into the school? All these questions, the right questions will be asked to the right authorities and change should come in. So we want more and more role models to come out into the open and contribute back into the society by telling their stories. Which is a passion of mine, helping people to tell their stories and share their stories. So I would very firmly support that as a way of shifting the way that people think. Omiya, if people would like to find out more about you, how can they find you online? Very simple. They can go to LinkedIn and find for my name. And my name is spelled as Homiyar. That's H-O-M-I-Y-A-R. And my last name is Mopedji. That's spelled as M-O-B-E-D-J-I. Or they can write to me at dr. That's as in doctor, dr. Homiyar, H-O-M-I-Y-A-R, at gmail.com. And I'll be more than happy to connect with people and take it forward. And if we have listeners who haven't yet connected with the Bookshare Library, how can they find out more about that? If they are eligible to join, of course. So Bookshare membership, as I said, for developing countries is completely free. And to get that free membership, you need to reach out to our India office. And our India office can be reached in two distinct ways. Either you can call us on WhatsApp, and our WhatsApp number is plus 91, that's the India code, and then it's 9650-211-575. I repeat, plus 91, India code, 9650 so you can call us between 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. India time. That's when this helpline number is open. And we'll be more than happy to support you over WhatsApp. Or you may write to us at membership-india at bookshare.org. That's membership-india at bookshare.org. And we'll be more than happy to provide you with the membership and you can choose what you read, when you read, how you read. It's all your choice. It's one of those things that as I hop onto Bookshare and look at the lists and lists of books, I just become more and more um, saddened that I will never get to read all the books that I would like to. But that is a good thing. I'd rather have too much choice than too little. Also, for our South African listeners, just to remember that you can also connect with the Bookshare Library through the South African organization Blind SA, and we will put their contact details in the show notes as well. Dr. Homia Mobiji, thank you so much for joining us on A Different Way of Seeing today. It has been such a privilege to talk to you and to talk through some of the challenges and some of the, the exciting opportunities that we see happening in the developing world for people who are blind or low vision. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Keep up the good work. Mm-hmm.
For our South African listeners who qualify for the Bookshare Library membership, if you'd like to find out more, contact BlindSA on bookshare.membership at blindsa.org.za. That's B-O-O-K-S-H-A-R-E dot M-E-M-B-E-R-S-H-I-P at B-L-I-N-D-S-A dot O-R-G dot Z-A. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll join us next time. Thank you for listening to A Different Way of Seeing. We would love to connect with you. So find Lois at loisstrachen.com or Facebook, Lois Strachan Speaker. This podcast was edited by Craig Strachan using Hindenburg Pro. Hindenburg, it's all about the story. The credits are done at Naledi Media. Naledi Media, all your vocal needs under one roof. Read by Charlie Yazi. That's it for now. Thank you for joining us and see you next time when we bring you into the world of seeing differently.